Hello, and welcome to the Cannabis Corner. I am your host, Joshua Braff, and I'm here with my partner, farmer Adam Teitelbaum. Today, we have Nisha Whiteley, author of Chronic Relief, a guide to cannabis for the chronically and terminally ill. And welcome, Nisha. We love having authors and speakers, and it seems here that you are a business development and marketing consultant person. And something in your life uh, happened and you became the author of a medical uh, cannabis book and and you became a speaker and an educator. And those are all things that we love to talk about because we're in the business of the demystification of cannabis and um, all the work that was done to make it so scary is obviously dwindling for everybody to see. And there's a lot of opportunity for people, especially people who are ill or anxious or struggling in a variety of ways like sleep or migraines are now learning how to approach this. And your book is just terrific in this realm where people can open it and go to either the topic that is of interest or begin from the beginning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to realize that you were going to leave your traditional job and pop into a somewhat controversial world, especially when you wrote the book, it was a few years back. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you came to that? Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. I didn't set out to become a lay cannabis expert or an author or a speaker. I really was just trying to understand how I might be able to help other people who might want to utilize cannabis at the end of their life. And my mom died of lung cancer several years ago. And at the end of her battle with lung cancer, she utilized cannabis. And our hope was that it would just alleviate the nausea and the vomiting. What it did for her was so much more. It helped reduce her agitation, which is common in people who are terminal. It helped address her neuropathic pain, which the prescribed opiates frankly, could not touch. And of course, it addressed the nausea, the vomiting, it improved her appetite, and it made it possible for her to be present in the last three weeks of her life instead of being completely zoned out on a whole bunch of prescription medicines and or in severe pain. And for her family and friends to be able to come and spend quality time with her, was a godsend, not only for her, but for the rest of us. And after she passed, I got to thinking, hmm, I wonder if people understand that a brownie isn't necessarily the most efficient or healthy way to deliver medicine for somebody that is wanting to turn their disease around or um, wanting to extend their life. So I got to thinking, well, I wonder if I could write some sort of an e-cookbook. And then I fell down the rabbit hole and spent about five years writing the book. And finally, in October of 2016, we were able to publish it. And it is my deepest hope that the book will help bridge the gap between the vast amount of scientific information that we have about cannabis and safe practical use. Really what we're trying to do is to dissolve the cloud of shame, secrecy, and controversy around the use of this safe 
and legitimate medicine. So many scenarios people have with their parents and and family members as they age, and the scenarios are varied and sometimes awful, and sometimes pharmaceuticals are clashing into each other, and it's the job of the pharmacist in the hospital to say, this person can't have this, this person can't have this, and uh, I happen to be going through it with my father now, so... The, uh, the, the example we use is the octopus leg falls out on the right side and you remedy it and you get that octopus leg up and then there's another one that falls out the other side. <laughs> and then it's continuous, continuous. In the case of my father, he's got an appetite issue where he's just losing weight, losing weight, losing weight. And they're talking feeding to before talking about a very tiny pill that has some THC in it that might go under his tongue because it's New Jersey, because he's a law-abiding attorney. I am. I would love to be able to make him hungry in the way that you and I know we could. So you found yourself with your mom and, and these three weeks, and it sounds like she was eating low-dose edibles and having a lot of relief. That led you to think, hey, what about, what about this cookbook? You know, um, is, is that true? Was your mother getting, was that the uh, form of ingestion for her? Yes. So we started with peanut butter cookies mm-hmm. because... My sister and my four-year-old nephew were living there, and of course, you don't want the four-year-old getting into the medicated edible, and so he had a peanut allergy, and so it made sense, since my mother loves peanut butter cookies, that that would be the method, and she would eat one or two and feel significantly better. And then suddenly, although she'd kind of have to force herself a little bit to eat the first one, then from then on, once she got it down, then she would develop an appetite. And from there, she would have all kinds of different foods. Whatever it is she was craving is what we would incorporate the medicine into. And so got thinking about savory dishes and more healthy dishes, especially for someone who might not be terminal and was trying to beat a disease, what are some ways that they could incorporate cannabis butter, cannabis oil, some sort of cannabis product into their food? And quite frankly, that was a very naive position on my part because I was operating from the standpoint of thinking that sick person shouldn't be smoking their medicine, especially someone with a uh, lung disease like right. my mom. Right, good point. Um, ultimately, the, the saddest part for me in this project has been the fact that if I would have known when my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer, but if I knew then what I know today, there's a strong possibility that my mom might still be alive. Right. And that's a very important thing to say. The path that was taken to make her more comfortable and to get her better could have been a very different path with with this knowledge, with an ability to have the stigma out of the way. So we can only think about the scenarios, the scenarios in the future, right? This is net. This is never going to stop. The the notion that we all need to be taken care of. When when you're uh, saying, uh, Nisha, uh, based on what you know now versus then, are you talking about just cannabis treatments or other treatments outside of general Western traditional Western medicine? What is it that you think you would have been able to apply based on what you've learned to this point? Excellent question. Yes to all of them. 
in regards to cannabis, I can't help but wonder what would have happened if she would have had high-quality cannabis to vape so that it could stimulate her appetite and address any breakout pain that she had. What would have happened if she would have been on high doses of cannabis oil? You know, would it have killed the cancer? Would it have slowed the growth of the cancer enough that she could have lived for several more years with high quality of life? Those are answers that we'll never know, but I can't help but wonder after learning what I have about cannabinoids and how they work in the human body, that this medicine used multiple different ways could have extended her life. What state was she living in? She was living in Texas. How was she getting her cannabis then? How was it you guys were able to even acquire this for her? Uh, well, like other people who live in a legal state, she unfortunately had to go to the black market to get it. And when people are desperate and what they're doing isn't working, they oftentimes are forced to make choices that they wouldn't make otherwise. That's why I always say it's better to be alive illegally than dead legally. <laughs> yeah, you need to take your health care into your own care at a certain point. So my question then is, um, is anything, do you see anything moving forward in the state of Texas in regards to possible med medical cannabis in the future? Yes, there is a lot of activity in Texas. We passed the Texas Compassionate Use Program in 2015, and we tried very hard in 2017 to expand that program. Unfortunately, um, we were not successful, so we'll have a chance to try again in 2019. But the current program has licensed three different companies out of 46 applicants to grow and process and then dispense low THC, high CBD cannabis oil. It is only for people with intractable epilepsy who can get two specialists to agree that they have tried everything and that this is kind of a last-ditch effort for that person's health. Only that one condition, that's it? Yeah. Well, I guess at least that's a start. That's it. That's an opening. Okay. What made your mother even consider cannabis as something to help her? My mom had a strong belief around natural products, and she was an avid reader about health and gardening and natural products. And she followed the newsletter of a particular physician, and that physician was pro-cannabis. And she had heard about it over the last 30 years and kind of followed the topic. And she actually had a dear friend of hers who had lung cancer before she did and passed probably, I don't know, seven or eight years before my mom. And she had told that person, she said, you know, I am happy to figure out how to get you some cannabis. Let me help you. And then she came home and she told my sister and I, I told my friend that I was happy to help her get cannabis. And I said, oh, well, where are you going to get that? And she said, I don't know. I was just sure you kids could help. <laughs> yeah. And so you got to go to the high schools. <laughs> like, okay, well. We're not really sure either, but we'll figure it out. So when the time came, when it was sort of her turn, unfortunately, she 
kept saying, yeah, I will, I will, when the time comes, when the things that we're doing now aren't working, I'll let you know. And one day, she decided that it was time. And she was super grateful. The day before she died, she had a long list of people coming to the house to visit her and and always give them some private time. And I'd hear her holler my name across the house. And um, before she could basically tell me what she wanted, I had two cookies in a Ziploc bag uh, for her to give to her friends because she, I think my mother knew that she was going to die very soon. And I think on, on some level, she had chosen the time that she was going to go, and she wanted to make sure that her friends were getting some relief as well. And so she very bravely told them, look, this is what I've been doing, and here's how it has helped me, and you're suffering, and you need to try two of these and see if this works as well for you as it did for me, because what you're doing isn't working, and your quality of life deserves better. And we'll have more with Nisha Whitley in a future episode of The Cannabis Corner. To you, our fans and listeners, thank you for your comments and suggestions for guests. And to answer one of the big questions, the advertising we've done up to now is for companies and causes we believe in. The production of our show and its professional pace and sound is funded by us. If you'd care to help us with more episodes of The Cannabis Corner, you can donate any amount by texting CBD to 555-888. That's text CBD to 555-888. Farmer Adam and I are so grateful to you, and we look forward to continuing in our crucial and shared cause. Welcome back to the Cannabis Corner. Today we have Shanita Penny, who is the founder and CEO of Budding Solutions, which is a company that provides business consulting services to startups and established organizations in the cannabis industry. Shanita, as a cannabis activist, has lobbied on Capitol Hill with organizations like DC Normal for the reform of national marijuana laws. In concert with that, recently New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy signed an executive order to study a program that would propose new cannabis regulation. Welcome, Shanita Penny. Hi. Hi. You come from a corporate background. You were a hard hitter in that world. I see you were in all sorts of companies starting out, and then I want to hear about sort of the evolution of how you took this leap of faith into the cannabis industry. And with so much happening, so much positive things happening uh, around the country in the name of this, in the name of finally understanding that all sorts of people need this in a way that isn't criminal, it's so nice to have you and to learn about you. Tell us first how you came to decide that the cannabis industry would be a good fit for you. I think I was born for the cannabis industry. Okay. (laughs) I've been what I call a lifelong consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, you know, never held me back from achieving and and going after the things that, you know, I wanted in life. And so working in supply chain management right out of undergrad, it allowed me to understand the business of growing or making a product and then getting it to market. And as a cannabis consumer, especially as things started to evolve legislatively, I saw the connection between exactly what I was doing every day for any of these companies and what I could bring to the cannabis industry. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense. And so when you say from the get-go you were into it, Adam and I certainly know what that feels like. Everybody's different, and certain people say, yes, this is for me, and I wish I discovered it 50 years ago before I uh, was taking all these pharmaceuticals. So it hits you right away as something that created a certain harmony in you. But meanwhile, how old are you, and how's your family absorbing this relationship you have with something that's been illegal for so long? So, I mean, from an early age, I was aware of marijuana Reefer, some of my older relatives uh, refer to it. Mm -hmm. My first experience was positive and I, I never looked back, but I fully understood it as a young adult. And as I learned more about the medicinal aspects of cannabis, and then I had the pleasure of introducing my grandfather to cannabis as an alternative to Marinol, as well as other pharmaceuticals. And so while it wasn't my personal illness that caused me to seek out medical cannabis, it was someone really close to me. And that was happening at the same time that I had an independent consulting business I was serving, you know, whatever industry, whatever client was in the pipeline. And so to see the personal story and journey with my grandfather and I, and then the need for professionals in this industry as licensing was taking place on the East Coast, um, as folks were trying to find their way from the underground to the legal market, I just found myself being a connector, mm -hmm. um, even a sounding board, and then now a professional and someone that people have trusted to help them make this business come to life for them. As you approached your grandfather with this information you had, and perhaps he was wary to some degree, in the situation that he was in, were the doctors open for you to bring this in? Is this 2010 we're talking about or earlier? Oh, this is 2012 and 2013. Okay, good. Um, so this is happening in Maryland as legislation is passing for medical cannabis. And then, you know, I'm wearing my professional hat and we're at a standstill with the program. Right. So I am finding medicine for him and it's not exactly above board, but it's what needed to be done. My grandfather, you know, in his 80s, he refused chemo. He refused radiation. And after his surgery, they told him he had about 30 days if he didn't do this treatment. And he was here a year and a half longer than those doctors expected. And you attribute that to cannabis oil um, or flour? Oh, a variety mm -hmm. of, yes, at, no, no flour, mm -hmm. uh, cannabis oil. So we were using tinctures. We were actually juicing raw leaves, patches and pill form, especially, you know, as we addressed the various symptoms that came along with it. I mean, initially edibles helped him to get his appetite back. And it was being able to make, you know, take that butter and make something that he was eating already. And one thing I did was for every time he medicated, I medicated too. Mm -hmm. And it was to show my grandmother that this is not harmful. This is beneficial for me from a wellness standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it's helping him. And so my grandmother, who's been my toughest critic, the only person in my personal circle to actually challenge me on this from the very beginning, is now one of my biggest supporters. She calls me now. And even if I've seen a program on medical marijuana five years ago, six months ago, if she tells me about it, if I'm visiting her and she wants me to watch it with her, I do it. That's because great. she, yeah, I've changed her mind about this. And if I could change my grandmother's mind, I can communicate the positive things about cannabis to anyone. Now, whether it changes their mind is not, I don't 
you know, have to look to that for, you know, just confirmation that I'm doing the right thing. I've seen it. You know, I saw my grandfather live his best year and a half. Right. It's like Um, the proof is in the pudding. And and so many people have that grandma who's like, what are you talking about? You can't be serious about cannabis as medicine. And there's so many stories of the U-turn. Because it's not hard to prove truth, right? Right. And your fa- your grandfather is a great success story in this, in a time where I just read an article, there's so many articles right now flying around and they're all positive. And one of them is about the elderly removing themselves from, say, oxy or harmful pharmaceuticals and doing incredibly well with cannabis use. To people like us, the three of us, we are not surprised at all. But we we live in a country where we hear news and truth through a filter and... It's a damaging filter and has been for so long. And it's the reason I think all of us are standing up here and saying, look what's coming down the pike. Even the even grandma's on board. When you say that, it makes me uh, think of something that I learned just yesterday, which is that Nebraska may be legalizing at least cannabis for medical purposes at minimum. Right now, 77% of Nebraskans want it legalized. So I was shocked to see that. The governor is now saying, whoa, I wasn't ready for that. And this was across all political spectrums. So now he says, oh, well, you know, this is the will of the people. We need to we need to do something here, at least, you know, have a vote at least or do something legislatively. Now, you know, that's a neighboring state to me here in Colorado. And I'm sure that a lot of cannabis flows over state lines into Nebraska Yet the people in Nebraska aren't benefiting from a tax standpoint while the people of Colorado are. So to me, it would behoove Nebraskans to uh, move forward and legalize it. And I know a lot of people there are very excited about it. So if it's catching on in Nebraska... I think we're well on our way to really removing the stigma as cannabis as medicine or for adult use as, you know, a way to wind down at the end of the day or have fun watching a movie or hanging with friends or what have you. That gives me great hope. And being from Colorado, you're well aware that Nebraska sort of symbolizes a conservative approach. And I can hear in your voice you saying, if Nebraska's on board, there may be no turning back. And there's a lot of those things we learn as we do this show and as we're in this culture the demystification is so powerful that there's a deep breath in it all, which says, why don't you keep your alcohol and open your eyes and ears for a moment? Why don't you question your, your physician so that you can be wide open to all sorts of holistic approaches, even one that has been doghoused this long? Shanita, tell us a little bit about what happened with Governor Phil Murphy. I, I'm, maybe you, you could best put words to it. Well, I'm excited about what Governor Murphy is doing in New Jersey. He campaigned with cannabis legalization at the forefront, and he has absolutely walked the walk so far. Not only is he pushing forward with adult use legislation, but he is also working to and has already signed an executive order to expand the medical program. So that's an old program, especially on the East Coast, that's lacking. Mm. It doesn't serve patients. There are only, I believe, six operators currently. And so patient access, which is the most important thing, is just not there. What is it that Governor Murphy's doing to increase access in New Jersey to the already established medical program? So first things first, he's going to markets who are getting it right and saying, hey, here's where we are. 
this is where we'd like to be and how do we get there? So he acknowledges that they've failed their patients in New Jersey. And so legislators and operators and folks that would like to be in the space uh, just spent two days in Nevada with operators who have successfully implemented a medical program and then transitioned that into adult use. And so there were a lot of best practices shared, just a lot of, if you will, come to Jesus moments Mm -hmm. as they talked about the implications to things like the the gaming industry. And they talked about some of the effects of, you know, what happens when you bring this industry into your state. So while the economic multipliers are great and you see real estate values go up, it has a negative impact. And we've seen this as it relates to pushing out, you know, lower income residents. So one of the things they're doing is saying, how do we go in, get this right, make sure that we are looking at not only ensuring that patients have access, but creating a diverse industry. So they're they're going out and connecting with the right folks. And I'm super excited to be a part of that. And we'll have more with Shanita Penny in a future episode of The Cannabis Corner. Thank you so much for joining us on the Cannabis Corner. Farmer Adam and I are so grateful for your comments and for your suggestions. Don't forget to look for us on Insta and Twitter. And we'll see you next time on the Cannabis Corner. Mm